to that Bears game last week. Yeah, hell of a game, hell of a game. Back to back is Cutler, second and 10 of the 20. Backs up, now throws left side, back shoulder fake. Jeffrey, touchdown! Touchdown, Bears! Don't stop, don't stop. A team that is known as Bears. Cutler takes the snap, blitzes on, he's going to screen it left, part of the 12, here's Lankford 15-20, Lankford 25-30, Lankford away at the 40, a block from Wilson at the 40 of the Rams, Lankford angling middle of the field, running away from the Rams to the 10, 5, end zone, touchdown Bears! Bears Hour Live, with Lauren Cox and the draft doc, Philatotion. With me, as always, are the super fans. I'm smarter than the average bear. <laughs> Hello and welcome to Bears Hour Live. You're listening to Lauren Cox and Philatotion here, breaking down the Bears and the Cowboys after what was a pretty disappointing loss. I mean, I don't know if expectations were all that high coming in to a team with Brian Hoyer starting a quarterback, but I don't think even the low expectations for him were met much at all here. Uh, the, the Bears looked like a dismal team for pretty much four quarters, and only some garbage-time heroics by Brian Hoyer really put this team back in anywhere close to a score that was, was close. Phil, where, where do you start in a, in a loss like this? I mean, it just kind of seemed like from the start the Bears weren't really in this. Well, you knew the the – the game plan and the formulation of what it was that you were trying to accomplish out there uh, seemed to go awry early. You know, you have your backup quarterback in the game. You could see that this team is trying to force feed Kevin White and other players in, in positions, and they're really not recognizing the true form of what it is that's going to get you through trying to win football games it's very evident the difference in play from Jordan Howard to Jeremy Langford it's not it doesn't take a rocket scientist to see the energy and the effects he has on the line of scrimmage just his body type alone hitting the hole and hitting tacklers punishing people that should have been the game plan again you start going empty sets. I mean, there's so much to get to, Lauren. I just think this coaching staff has completely risen to the top, and my expectation of them, especially head coach John Fox, was completely different. Yeah, you know, I think the the most concerning part is just the, the lack of adjustment from game to game. It's like, what are they, are they not watching what you saw last week? I mean, are they not improve you know they're not trying to get better I mean are they not seeing Bobby Massey fail over and over again I mean we saw this week Dowell Loggins said something about how oh well you know I wouldn't say he's been bad but he's he's had a few struggles here and there I mean I don't know I don't know what like what is it going to take I mean obviously Jeremy Langford gets hurt and that's finally when Jordan Howard gets to take over as the number one running back here because I mean I don't know he, I mean, he, he comes in for that one carry in the second quarter and goes off for, like, what, 36 yards in that one play? And, and then he kind of disappears again, and they get away from the running game. And uh, Brian Hoyer ends up attempting uh, 49 passes on 49. the day. 49. 
and Jordan Howard carries it nine times, Langford carries it three times for a total of 12 handoffs to 49 pass attempts. So I mean, what are you doing? They basically came in, they called up Warren Moon and <laughs> Kevin Gilbride to get that game plan they had back in Houston. I mean, we have a problem here. It's reality versus fans and and people having all these different opinions. Listen, I tweet as I coach. You don't like it, unfollow. I've never asked for a follower. The reality is I see a team struggling on the edges. Their offensive tackles are poor. Does that then, you know, if my son has a fever, do I send him out in the cold? (laughs) No. I mean, the reality of if your offensive tackles are poor – in pass pro, then you don't throw the ball 49 times. Now, the little trivial pursuit guy who, who's going to win every trivia question on that is going to, well, they were down, Phil. They were down. You weren't winning, okay? That's not winning football. Running the ball, establishing this freaking team at the line of scrimmage, taking players and holding them accountable you know, you can argue talent. Is Bobby Massey talented? Yes, he's in the NFL. The guy's a talented athlete. Is he working in your scheme? Is his athleticism fitting what you want to do 49 times, Lauren? No. And that's the issue, not all this other rigmarole that you're trying to throw into the, the reality of this. We know that Kyle Long should be playing right tackle. He's that, that was the end-all, be-all. If not, you should have drafted Laramie Tunsil. It's disgraceful. So who's, who's fault? Who's to blame? Everyone wants to blame? Is it Ryan Pace, Lauren? Is I, I don't John think it's Fox? one person. I, I just don't. I, I agree. I, it, there's just so many people to kind of go around here for the blame. I mean, it start, I mean, obviously it starts with Ryan Pace and John Fox. I mean, they can't field a roster that plays at this level. I mean, I, I tweeted out during the game that, you know, this team's playing like the worst team in the league, but they're not the least talented roster in the league. And that, to me, shows that there's the clear disconnect in coaching here. Because, I mean, you have talented players on both sides of the ball. Drell Freeman's playing well. Tracy Porter's playing well. Adrian Amos is playing well. Obviously, Alshon Jeffrey, Zach Miller, Jordan Howard are playing well. You have talent on this team. And when Jay Cutler's in there, you have a quarterback, you have a running back. You have some good offensive linemen, but it's just it doesn't come together because of this coaching staff, and I think it starts there first and foremost, not getting the talent out of the players that you have, and then then it goes another layer deeper into the individual players that aren't playing well, you know, like the Bobby Masseys of the world, even Kevin White at, at times, you know, he was a little bit better tonight here and there, but still struggled in quite a few occasions, and on defensive side of the ball, Unrine, Leonard Floyd, Jacoby Glenn, Chris Brzezinski, over and over again, these same players keep struggling, and I mean... What what else can you do? I mean, I feel bad for a guy like Vic Fangio, who's got, at one point he had three healthy defensive linemen on the roster, and I mean, one of them is, you know, it's Cornelius Washington, Will Sutton, and, and Jonathan Bullard, three guys that, in the ideal world, wouldn't necessarily even get much playing time on this defensive line if everyone's healthy, so I, I, I try not to blame the defense too much here, because they did... They did hold up in the second half, only allowed seven points after a, a pretty poor first half, even as the injuries mounted up, but... I mean, there's got to be there's there's some kind of lacking over the top leadership and motivation here for a roster as a whole because guys just aren't prepared. They're not given 100%. There was a play, 
I saw Cornelius Washington even who gets in the game after having not played at all, and he's jogging up the sideline after Ezekiel yep. Elliott. I mean, yep. like, are you serious? Where's the where's the motivation? Where's the coaching? Where is the preparation? It just kind of seemed like they didn't really know what they were doing from the start, and then they never picked it up as the game went on. Once again, they're going action game without establishing the run. They're having a quarterback that throws, as I tweeted out, deep balls to cheerleaders, uh, the target handicapped parking spaces. I mean, any pass that's going on the right sideline is a tough play with this guy. Granted, he's your backup quarterback. You see what you get here. But the reality is tighten up the game, get your tight end involved. You ended up doing that in the second half. You saw the, you know, the officiating was horrific. You know, I can't pretty that up. I'm sorry. I'm not going to just pass it over. The reality is the onside kick call has to be horrifically offsides in order for that to be called. It wasn't. That was terrible. It was It was even close. It could be argued that it wasn't. If that's a challengeable play, they might be losing. You saw two horrific spots. There's holding all over the place. And Leonard Floyd, I mean, I I understand he's raw and he's athletic. But man, oh man, he was just getting thrown into the nickel seats. And it's embarrassing on a national stage. Why is he out there? You know exactly how many you times mean, does he have to get driven four yards on the field in a running play or completely blow contained to let Elliott run to the outside before he comes up the field? It's like it's not about winning the game anymore for this team. It's about oh we got to play our young players and get them better. Even though I mean the Bears got this to a two score game and they were pretty close to getting it to a one score game at one point in garbage time just because the Cowboys took the took the foot off the gas a little bit. But yet they continued to trot out these guys. They're just kind of playing Ryan Pace's guys just to play Ryan Pace's guys. I mean, get Bobby Massey out of there. Admit you're admit you're wrong with him. Exactly. T- play Floyd less. You know, you don't have to admit he's a mistake by any means. It's not. He still yet. needs time. Exactly. He's but not a mistake. He needs yet. time. You're not. He's a mistake, Lauren. In the fact that you should have took the best player in the draft. Uh, you could have had the other guy, Lael Collins, who absolutely got blown up tonight by. Our guy, Kwiatkowski, I mean, he's showing flashes. Young player, fine, put him in. Rotate him in. They were doing it at linebacker. The reality is I blame Pace for not putting a priority of $29 million in the bank on the offensive line. We talked about it all offseason. Whether you want to believe it or not, I don't care if a guy's smoking marijuana 10 minutes before conspiracies. He's a, the best player in the draft. He's the best player on your board. Now, all of a sudden, we got to be political correct. This is football. How much different would this team be with a Laramie Tunsil on its offensive line? Sorry, I can't let go of it because it happens all the time. It's never an invested thing with the Chicago Bears. Then you had the free agency period. You got all this money in the bank. Throw some big dollars at a right tackle that's Good. All right. <laughs> Jesus. Oh, Somali. And yeah, like, it doesn't had... have to be Tunzel. You know, it, just do something about this. Stuff. And then they were so content to come to the season. Okay, we'll go with Charles Leno at left tackle because he's good enough. We'll go with Thronus Grassley at center because he's good enough. You know, it was like, well, these guys are good enough. It was never 
the priority. It's never, okay, we're investing a bunch of money in this quarterback, and we've got some young running backs that need an offensive line to help them. So the priority was never, oh, well, then let's actually invest in that offensive line. Instead, it was like, oh, well, we'll hold on to this money just in case, you know, for next year, and maybe we'll make a run at Josh Norman at one point in free agency. Ooh, aren't you aren't you excited that we almost threw money at Josh Norman? Ooh, could have could have could have had that money saved in the bank for him and I mean it's just where where's the prioritization in this roster because I mean it just kind of seems like oh we'll take Floyd in the draft because he has the potential to be a really great player rather than focusing on what this team needs and it's not that you know you draft a, a need but you have to take needs into consideration in the draft I mean even Ryan Pace said that we stack our draft board with need in mind so we still take the best player available but our board is still ranked on need so I don't understand how Floyd was ranked as a need with combining need and talent, putting that over offensive linemen like Laramie Tunzel or even when I mean, you look later in this draft, I mean, they ended up taking Cody White here in the second, but it's, it's I find it hard to believe they weren't going after Jason Spriggs in the second round there before the Green Bay Packers took him, but they should have taken him before they traded down in the first place. And I, I, I don't know, I just don't understand where the prioritization was because it just kind of seemed like they're like you know the Patriots are the kind of teams that do just acquire talent regardless of position but that's because they already have talent at all their positions so they can just kind of add whoever they want but in the second year of rebuilding this team I feel like Ryan Pace tried to get a little bit too far ahead in his mind of okay now we can start to just look for the best players because this team is clearly short on talent and they just kind of seemed like the the focus of the offseason wasn't necessarily in the right places well you also got to go back to back raw Based, you don't, you never win with potential. Just doesn't happen. Sorry, just doesn't. The risks you take, you want to try to, you know, it's a risk irregardless. The draft, I understand that, but the reality behind the draft is you want to find guys that have done it on that level, and you know, Floyd and even Kevin White, two raw players you took in the first, you took. You chose in the first round. Now we're living with this whole roster of just dysfunction because it starts up front. And you know, you, you look at you look at a guy like Laramie Tunzel in particular, and you, you can you can even point to okay, he's playing guard right now, which I have to imagine if if he were in Chicago, he wouldn't be playing guard right now. But even if he comes to Chicago, and you're like, okay, we have to play him at guard, then look at this, you have a free spot to move Kyle Long to offensive tackle, or maybe you don't get Josh Sitton, and all of a sudden you do have real you have a real left guard. Because if if Josh Sitton wasn't on this team, we talked about this last week, you'd have Ted Larson out there, and it would be an absolute mess of an offensive line. So I mean, uh, we're starting to, you know, we are starting to get near to the 15 minute mark here. Phil, were there any last thoughts you wanted to get before we move on and start taking a few calls here? Because I mean, obviously, <laughs> we can only talk about this bad offensive line and this bad coaching so much before it just kind of gets to you. And I think. It, it would be good to get some uh, outside thoughts on this. Well, let's think about before we take on any calls, some of the positives that you could build on going forward. I know people are on Twitter asking me that. I think you recognize Jordan Howard is a nice find here, and he's a guy that's going to churn and break tackles. He's got some good hands, and he brings a level of instinctive toughness to this team, something that they lack. I thought he played well. I thought the guards played pretty well tonight. 
sitting in long, long took a step forward last week from what I saw him play like. And Josh Sitton continues to impress. That's the offensive side. I thought Zach Miller also, you know, when given the opportunity to run those middle scenes, especially against a team like the Cowboys, who are playing that cover two shell a lot, you got to get those seam routes and over the top of those windows in. And I felt like took him too long to incorporate this football player into the game. And when you saw he had two touchdowns, I believe. Yep. Both so, on the goal line-ish. See, this is the kind of stuff you need to be doing and attacking and being aggressive for 60 minutes. Running the football, establishing the line of scrimmage. The Cowboys took the formula for, for success that you should have taken, and it was too little too late. Well, and uh, on the defensive side of the ball, Will Young should get some credit, too. He, he played a really great game. I think he was one of the few pass rushers I saw that actually seemed to be doing a pretty decent job. It kind of seemed like everyone else didn't didn't get a whole lot of movement and push up front to get any pressure on Dak Prescott. I think one of the PFF guys tweeted that Dak Prescott was not under pre- – oh, no, no, he didn't mind. I, I was wrong with that. I was going to say, I thought they said something about pre- Prescott not being under pressure, but that, that was not the case. But they, the Bears only did blitz – eight times out of 28 dropbacks on him, and they got to pressure on him out of 12 of those 28. So he, he was solid under pressure. It didn't really seem to affect him too much. But obviously there was no sacks, and I think there was just the one QB hit that I want to say Sam Acho got credit for. Uh, actually, there were two. Sam Will Young and Sam Acho each got a QB hit. But uh, let's open up the phone lines. I know we've been getting a couple calls, and we'll, yeah, we'll get to them in just a second up. here. I, I, let me see if I can get this one on here right now. Bring them in. Hello, you're on Bears Hour Live with Phil and Lauren. Uh, where are you calling from? What's your name? Phil, Lauren, it's Joe, Chicago Bears AFR. <laughs> there Joe he is. from Scranton. Back can we, at it yep. again. Can we drop the office song every time Joe calls in? Yeah, that, that's going to be a thing. Next <laughs> week, Joe, don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the office. Can we that's get the, the uh, Michael Scott? No, no, no. Can you do it, Joe? God. No. Uh, you know what? Honestly, I think I've watched The Office about two or three times. There, there are some very factual things in it, uh, in it first at <laughs> Scranton. Um, but it, I think it's the only one of the few reasons why people anymore even know Scranton's on the map. Um, I, I, I don't know what to say about this game. It, it, <laughs> it, it it's, it's disturbing. It's, I'm speechless. I'm speechless because you look at the offense and there is no level of comfort. People look like they're lost. Dowell is lost. I I honestly, I think he takes massive bong hits before each game and just, you know, he's got a wheel. He's got, he's got one of those wheels there and says, okay, this is the play we're going to dial up now, you know? Yeah, it's tough. Let it lay. It's 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 terrible. It's just, I mean, last at least last year, you felt a level of comfort. Even even with Jay, you saw a level of comfort with him in the offense and running the offense. Whereas this year, you don't see that at all. That's why I I I said that it, it feels like a mix of of Marks. And, and Tressman with some Turner mixed in and a chaser of Tice. 
Well, it's it's just it's it's all over the place. And the that sounds like a Long Island iced tea that you don't want to drink at the end of the night. Yeah, I feel like after three of those yeah, now, but, everybody's about ready to pass out. Yeah, man. It, it's in it, the the defense. You know, for as much as I, I I scratch my head and be like, "Wow, okay, Fangio, what are you doing here?" I truly believe he does not have the faith in his corners to run man to man so that he can open up his defensive playbook more. I mean, on top of basically everybody being hurt, you know, I, I just I I don't think he has a comfort level with with the guys that he has to to really run his defense. Can you blame him though? No. <laughs> I mean, no, I can't. Yeah, I can't. You know, I, I mean, I, I'm not putting as much as much blame on him for the defense as I am for Dowell on the offense. Uh, something's got to give. I mean, hell, give Greg Roman a call, or give Greg Roman. You know, give give him a call. At least he knows how to run an offense. This is just. This is. It's. It's. It's a pathetic. It's. It's just. It's. It's a pathetic display of of, of how to run how to run an offense. I think it gets exacerbated because it's on the national stage and the anticipation yeah. of this team throughout the offseason was one that you saw on paper improving from where they were playing from last season. You know, going down the stretch, some of those close games where Robbie Eagle missed some field goals, there were some incredible missed calls that cost the Bears, and the opportunity was right there for the taking, your expectation for them is to build off that. And yeah. right now it's become a mash unit. It's become injury after injury, after carted off, after walking boot. And I got to be honest with you, that one last play and that visual of Alshon Jeffrey running that route, Lauren, I, I don't know if this guy's going to be able to play next week. Or he was jogging? He was running a route, and he couldn't even get out of his break really well. And you saw him okay. like lift his his leg almost like a kickstand on a bicycle. He was like, <laughs> yeah. he couldn't even turn it. And I'm like, there's a brace on his knee. This guy's trying to play with it, and I, I don't know. Yeah, you, you wonder why he's out there playing at that late in a garbage yeah. time game like that if he's not 100%. I mean, what are you doing? Just another thing to add to the list of questionable coaching decisions. Yeah, yeah. you know, uh, I, I, Lauren and I hit it up on Twitter that you know there's a point where you got to start questioning the the, uh, the the conditioning and training and, and training staff. You oh, know, maybe I mean, they'll I, set I the alarm with, with the. You know, I know, I I know with the defense. You know, with with, with the defense. When your defense is out there for like, oh, say, ninety percent of the game, there, there's bound to be injuries, you know. Um, but this is just, this to me is unprecedented. I, I mean, I've never seen this many injuries in such a short span of time when it comes when it comes to a team, you know. And like you said last year, Phil, uh, you know, we really thought this going into this year. We had something to build off of. I mean, Christ, look at the guys Jay was throwing the ball to. <laughs> you know? Yeah, and he's he got receivers still, now. He, he, he was still, yeah. 
you could have all the receivers you want. If you don't have people in front of you protecting you and an offensive coordinator that knows how to call a friggin' game, I mean, you, you could you could put you could put a uh, you know Tom Brady or Joe Montana back there. They're still going to wind up on the ground. Well, Joe, and, you, and, and we and we'd love to keep talking to you, but we should we should open up the lines for some other people. But you make a great point there about how the optimism for this team is just kind of completely gone. I mean, last year there were so many games where, you know, the Bears ended up losing on the scoreboard, but it felt like they were right in it and there were a lot of those, you know, four and three-point losses where it's like, okay, this team is really moving in a positive direction. And then all offseason it's like, okay, look at all these great additions they've made. They lost some. They lost a few people, you know, Martellus Bennett, uh, Matt Forte, who, you know, they were important in the offense, but – the, you know, the locker room was sort of maybe not the best with them involved in it. Okay, we're moving on to some younger players. But, man, it, it really has just completely completely fallen apart. And three games into the season, it's 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 like a whole different team from a year ago. But, Joe, thanks a ton for calling in. Hopefully we'll have you back on next yeah. week with, with the office. Things so, ready for you. Yeah, hopefully hopefully next week will be, will be better. I doubt it, but, hey. <laughs> Joe, guys, I appreciate you coming night. in. Have a good night. Great talking to you. Always, Joe. All right. We got to get Joe some. Oh yeah, for sure. We got to pr- bring Big Joe a, a, a stop Jacism T-shirt or something. Something like that. <laughs> <laughs> Lauren, it's 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 hard because you're weeding through. But Joe made a great point, and you're seeing these bodies fall to the ground. And at what point? Are they falling to the ground because they've given up? You know, a team that feels like they're in it with passion and fire will go the distance for you. They'll go after the tackle, put the extra effort in. Sometimes players lay down. And I'm not saying it's happening, but, I mean, the amount of injuries, the amount of people going in and out of the football games is... You know, maybe with the new collective bargaining agreement, they should start dressing 53 because this is getting to the point where you might have to have Scruggs play defensive end this week. I was week. just thinking about that, too. Yeah, go ahead. Talk well, about it. Well, no, I was just going to say, I mean, with, with the injuries, it's one thing if it's, it's kind of these freak injuries where a guy plants his knee wrong, tears his ACL, and it's out for the season. Or like with, with – uh, uh, Eddie Goldman, where he really got ro- rolled up on and had to be carted off the field, but it's like, it's it's these little kind of nicks and, and bruises that keep ending up. Where we kind of questioned Alshon Jeffrey's toughness for a while with his ability to to fight through these kind of things, and then like you have Jeremy Langford mysteriously get carted to the locker room. I don't remember him even limping off the field. I mean, I, I, mean, I might have missed it, but do you remember a specific play where Langford got banged up? Honestly, don't. I saw him make that nice run where he stiff arms the guy, and then he was gone. Yeah, and I then also he's carted to the locker room and ruled out for the rest of the game. And it's it's those kind of injuries where you're just kind of like, well, you know, and maybe something freak happened with with Langford, and you can excuse that. But I mean, guys like Bullard leave and come back in, and Harold Jones Corte gets another concussion, which seems to me like maybe he's got a little bit of a, a technique issue there with coming in and using his head a little bit too much, like Brandon or Brandon Harden. There's a name for you. And, you know, oh, obviously geez. guys like Kyle Fuller, we talked before about the surgeries in the past where, you know, guys like Kevin White and, and Pernell McPhee and Kyle Fuller get these late surgeries out of nowhere that seems like could have been handled a lot better earlier on. But, you know, now you're 
you get these guys that just kind of leave and get nicked up, and then they're they're on the they're on the, the injury report during the week, and it's kind of like, well, where's the toughness? Where's the where's the muscle toughness? Because it just kind of seems like it's too many guys to just kind of be an injury. Like, are they not getting the right nutrition? Are they not getting you know? Are they not going through enough contact in the off season? Are they not conditioned well enough? And and we do have another caller on the line here. Caller, uh, what's your name? Where are you calling from? Um, AJ Chicago. <laughs> hey, so hey, over here. You sound like uh, you just went to the mall. Madden was sold out. You waited four hours. Yeah, oh, actually, it's completely opposite. I'm just sitting in front of my TV, drinking and drinking and drinking every time about when these guys are going a nice play. And I saw a few out there, but it wasn't enough. <laughs> well, it didn't go the way you wanted. It yeah. didn't go the way anyone wanted, but talk to me about what you thought, AJ. I know you bring a lot of passion and fire to the <laughs> the Twitter sphere. I appreciate you calling in. Talk to me. First thing that jumps out, eh? All right. Well, I I really thought the offensive line played okay. Um, Matthew's still a problem. Um, I just you feel th- like he just think? touches a guy and backs <laughs> off, but. Um, number two, I really feel like that Kevin White had a few flashes. I mean, he's not obviously ready yet to make that sophomore, sophomore. I mean, remember when Alshon Jeffrey got hurt his rookie year and we ended up having like less than 400 yards and exploded the next season? Yeah, but this is the, I, I'm glad you brought that up because I've never have 150 characters to explain Alshon Jeffrey's Alshon Jeffrey. What he did in college and the weight thing that had on him. But the bottom line was the guy was super productive and has hands the size of freaking catcher mitts. When I look at Kevin White, he's got an injury. He had production, and his production was based on his speed and physicality. And when tonight... I finally saw him make a first-round type of play, and he got excited about it. So hopefully that step propels him forward. But I'm not going to say, based on Alshon having that season, what transpired, then this guy's going to have. No, that's not how this game works. It's We can be patient. I'm patient. But we're getting demolished and demoralized on national TV and – how yeah, and how and much it's a night game too so like we have like half of the country that's looking at this game there's only football game going on on sunday sunday night so um you know against america's team but like i have to give it to dallas i mean you drafted a freak of nature in the second round Jalen smith who knows if he's gonna get back on the field but i think he can and then you turn around we turned around four three times in the fourth round and went with uh went with hall and a few other guys, Jordan Howard, um, and we didn't draft Prescott. I mean, like, I'm, I'm watching this guy in Mississippi State, and, like, forgive me for saying this, um, Dan Mullen does not know how to coach this kid. This kid is special, and he already did it for us. He threw one touchdown to Des Bryant, and he ran one and two. So what does it say? He was, a, I think, was, was, he was a fifth-round pick, right? Uh, Dak was a fourth-round pick. I think it was the same round. Okay. 
Yeah, so fourth round pick, you find this guy, and he's already performed. It hasn't even thrown a single interception. Like, I mean, like, the Bears had three times to pick this guy. I'm yelling at my TV. I remember, draft Doc. Draft Doc. Draft Doc. And they went with yelling, this. Um, you yelling for me or Dak? No, I, I'm saying I'm, I was I was saying draft doc, draft doc, draft doc. Um, Dak or Doc? Doc sounds like you're yelling Dak. for me. <laughs> Dak, yeah, Dak, Dak. Mississippi State, yeah. But yeah, I mean, it's just like these past four drafts have just been miserable for us. We picked up a few good players, but I mean, I don't even know what to call Kevin White right now. Like, I mean. I'm sitting here thinking he's going to have like 800 yards this season, but I don't think we're going to win another few games. We'll go back there in the top top 10 pick to go for something good. So. Well, and the main reason I think Dak Prescott's being so successful in Dallas is not only do they have an offensive coordinator that's calling a real football game, but they also invested in their offensive line and their running mm-hmm. game. Yeah, and they're a run-first um, team. And if you gave that to Jay Cutler, if you gave that to Brian Hoyer, you might have a chance It'd to be win way games. Better. And if you put Dak Prescott in Chicago right now, he's getting absolutely decimated, and he's throwing interceptions, and he he might not make it through three games like the way – I mean, Jay Cutler couldn't barely make it through one without getting hurt, and so I can't imagine you throwing a, a rookie guy like Dak Prescott in there. He's going to get banged around quite a bit behind Bobby Massey. So yeah. I, I don't I don't hate and on it. I, for, yeah, and I agree because, like, you you give Massey, I think it was three years for $7 million. Like, what are you giving $7 million for? This guy's on roller skates right now. And um, Leno, on their hand, I think our tackles have the, the huge pressure marks on his offense. You look at that. And look at our centers. Um, we got White here, Kyle Long, and Sitton. They're solid for the next, I'd say, I don't know, Sitton by 30, but they're solid for the next three years, at least the next three years with Sitton in that group. And, like, what I say is if the Bears pick top 10 next year, just go get Cam Robinson because we need help on that line. Bobby Mass is going to get either Cutler injured again or he actually might end up injuring Brian Horton if Cutler can't go. We have to go depend on Barkley. I definitely agree that offensive line has to be the focus. And I don't, I don't know if Cam Robinson is necessarily my guy. I mean, that's a, that's a whole other bag of worms when we get to the draft season but I totally agree I think there's this this note this mindset that oh the Bears have to draft a quarterback because Jay Cutler's over 30 and the guaranteed money of his contract's coming out but I really feel like assuming Ryan Pace and John Fox are still here still calling the shots they don't have any plans on getting rid of Jay Cutler just for the sake of getting rid of Jay Cutler I think they're going to hold on to him until they absolutely have a better option at quarterback Phil do you, do you pretty much agree with me 100% there absolutely I agree I, don't I agree think because I don't think you can pass up. You don't think you can pass up the reality of what we're talking about here. And everyone wants to pull the curtains open and say that they're recognizing. Oh, Jay can't do that, and Jay can't do this. And then they're at the same mouth, the same mouth breather is talking about oh, Dal Loggins, John Fox, Ryan. <laughs> I mean, come on, guys. You can't. One guy can't fix this it has the only guy that can fix it right now let's where's the divide lauren is it personnel or is it coaching 
Could you could you win with this person? person? Can you win with this team? I think you can. Talent wise, or can't I, you? That's my question because I believe you can win with this team. I agree. I think I think you've got a lot of talented individuals that aren't playing like a talented team, and that goes back to coaching. I mean, Ryan Pace has made some mistakes certainly, but I think this is not a team that should necessarily be 0-3, and this is a team that should play a lot better than what we saw in Sunday Night Football tonight. Absolutely. Despite, despite talent, I've always gone back to my own coaching experience and in my life, it's always, okay, these men are all talented. You selected that roster. Now, if you're scouting and scheming appropriate, like, like tonight, Cole Beasley's their third down guy. He's their guy. Your defense now can't be, well, this is what we do on defense, and that's what we're going to do. That's the loser's mentality. Your defense now, based on what you have, young young players, if they get into this, we are going to match up into this. We're not going to be putting Jarrell Freeman on Beasley or <laughs> Leonard Floyd. <Yeah>, Floyd. <laughs> Leonard Floyd on Cole Beasley is like, I don't even have a a stupid analogy for it. It's so dumb right now. <laughs> the reality is that's how you lose in putting players in positions that they're going to be uh, unsuccessful. The NFL is about matchups. It's about knowing your opponent and keying in on where you could take advantage of them. The Chicago Bears coaching staff has failed this miserably. and And I love John Fox. I'm the first guy that thought this hire was going to be a great hire. But you can't just say, this is our offense, this is what we're going to do. This is our defense, and this is what you're going to do. That worked in 1990. Now it doesn't work against spreads and all uh, uh, flex receivers, bubble screens, and trips, and hybrid backside slants, hybrid tight ends, smash plays. You have to know what personnel they have on the other side of the football in order to accommodate your defense to put them in in positions to be successful. And and, and we're not seeing that. So those little dismantling plays, like when Dak Prescott is in the box, he's got no one to throw to, he scrambles for 15 on third and 12, it just destroys this team. It combusts the whole process. And... And uh, it has to be aggressive. Yeah, I mean, you know, part of me wonders, you know, is Vic Fangio telling them the right thing and they're just not executing? Because, I mean, in the past, we've seen Fangio be so able, so well, so so good at adjusting, you know, and not only adjusting to what the offense is trying to do, but what personnel he has. And so part of me wonders if, if it's just guys not executing, but at the same time, you have guys like Freeman that seem to be, you know, Freeman's always around the ball, but if you've got Freeman on Beasley, I don't know if that's that's not really Freeman's fault. He's just doing what's being called. So yeah, I, I I struggle to figure out exactly where the divide is. But you know, AJ, uh, I'm sorry to keep you waiting on the line here, but we we do want to open it up to other people. Thanks a ton for calling. Thanks, in. thanks, AJ. We're gonna keep speaking to you every week, right? Yeah. So I'll be on next <laughs> week if we lose again. Going for, but we need to. We need to. We need to rebound back. But anyways, um, thanks for having me on, and I I'll be back next Sunday. All right, thanks, AJ. 
Thanks, and, AJ. And but before we get going, we're we're getting some calls in from some a number that's running that's ringing in this unknown phone number, and I, I tried a couple times to add it in, but it's not doesn't like the idea of the unknown phone number. So whoever that is who's trying to call in with with the number, it's it's coming in as unknown. It's the only number that we've gotten that's coming in unknown, but it's not letting me add the unknown number to the call. So apologies there. Maybe if, if you can figure out that that's you, try a different phone or try a different number because it's it's not quite ringing in, but um. You know, like he was talking about, I mean, I don't know. <laughs> I, I, I don't know what to do with this defense right now because there's just not, there's not a lot of answers. And, but, and I don't know where, where to get them, you know? I mean, this is, this is, I mean, Vic Fangio is a good defensive coordinator. He's proven time and time again on film that he can make the adjustments necessary to win games. But it's, it's just not happening right now with this team. And it, like, it's like it's like Dowell Loggins is rubbing off on him or something because I just don't I don't quite get it. Well, the game plan should have been this: you are going to get heavy sets to help your tackles, and you're going to start Jordan Howard and send a message to the whole football team. This is my if I was coaching this football team, and then you would pound them at their weakness on their defensive line and force them to actually have to stop you. And then you could play action game and attack the seams. And the the bubbles inside those cover two zones are there for the taking. And, and we knew coming into the game that the Cowboys would be playing a lot of cover two because that was kind of their thing. You know, I mean, we've seen that all season from their, from their defensive coordinator. I mean, obviously it's Rod Marinelli, so we kind of know – what he's done, but uh, we do have another caller on the line. Uh, what's your name and where are you calling from? Hey guys, this is Andy. I'm calling in from uh, Champagne. Oh, okay. What's up, Champagne? No, representing the uh, Midwest or mid uh, part of the state. So it was me calling you guys a little bit. I was trying to call you guys, but apparently uh, he doesn't like mixed words. So. Uh, <laughs> yeah, apparently not. But uh, yeah, so I'm actually uh, part of uh, Bears Maze Online. I think we've been talking to you guys a little bit, and uh, I was really excited to call on your show, which is why I called like 55 million times for the guys. <laughs> yeah, I'm glad so, uh, out here. I'm glad but, you're uh, in there, brother. For sure, but uh, man, what an endurance this, this the season has been. I mean, it, it is getting grueling to to just just muster the energy to sit in front of the in this case my computer screen for three four hours at a time, just knowing that it's it's going to be taking notes about a series of mistakes after mistake, trying to find the one or two little positive tidbits to take out of a loss. Because honestly, at this point, there's a lot of people who've been barraging. You guys have heard it. You guys have been dealing with it on Twitter. A lot of people that have called for heads and, and looking for firings immediately and, and roster turnover and, and, and the, the despair is settling in. And, I, I don't know how you guys think feel about it, but I'm I'm a pretty positive fan. I like to think I well at least I'm trying to be. And uh, with this season, as it's just it's already feeling like uh, a Tressman like kind of just it's like oh god here we go we've got this long season ahead of us we've got another 13 games, and while we the fans are already getting exhausted, I'm starting to wonder, and maybe you guys can can put in your input here. As far as like, when is the point? The, the when does the bubble pop for the team? For the for the um, maybe we look at a different coordinator. Maybe something has something has to happen. What is that thing 
that happens that kind of puts out a shockwave through the organizations here to say that this isn't acceptable? That's a great question of when, you know, this becomes an ownership thing now. What is the temperature gauge or the seesaw of weight scale that you place on who's responsible for the product that's being put on the football field? When I look at this football team, and I couldn't hear your name at first. I'm sorry. It's uh, Andy. Andy. I appreciate you calling in. Thank you. The, when I look at this, and, and you are hitting the cusp of an intelligent thought here of how and when do you pull the plug? You know, the Chicago Bears have shown uh, too much patience in some cases and, and too little with other cases. So I'm looking back at when this hiring took place and the people that were involved in it, the... Uh, Ernie Accorsi's and the, you know, the ownership and and Ted Phillips is a, a target of many a frustration, not only on the football field itself, but how much is he needling in this? Is Ryan Pace the right GM? For me, I've liked some of his picks, his first round picks, based on what was there to fit Chicago. I struggle with so. And then his free agency, he's kind of taken some risks on injury. So I could see people saying that. John Fox is a proven coach. But really, ultimately, people are making an argument that I can't defend. You know, is he really proven? The offensive coordinator situation inherent is the easy target to obviously there needs to be a change made because this isn't getting done. But at the same time, you're being outscored 61 to 13 in the first quarter of games or something like that. I saw someone tweet that out. In the first quarter, the Bears are being outscored. So what is Vic Fangio doing? What are their game plans? It's to the extent where it's so embarrassing, Andy, that I feel you too. That almost the feeling of change has to come. Drop that song because... This Which can't one? continue. <laughs> the ch- ch- changes? No, a change has got to come. <laughs> Who does that one? Uh, Andy, do you know who's thing? It's an well, old school R&B <laughs> soul classic. I say there's, it's, it's very, very strange because we, we, you know, I think during the process of Pace's hire, um, and this is obviously a very zoomed out conversation for some very specific problems that are happening in layers for this year's team. But with a higher pace, uh, you have obviously the Accorsi thing, which was a good move. But the conversation I heard just the other week was from George Pekaski, uh talking about how he decided to hire pace based on a conversation he had with them with looking at some black and white team photos from the 40s. Like, that was the gut feeling that got our general manager hired. And to me, that is completely strange. And I mean, I like pace. I support pace. And I feel like we need to be, like you said, we need to be steady in some regards on certain things. This team needs to not have the turnover, which it can't become a Cleveland situation to where you're looking at a constant churning of upper management and brass. Um, but I agree. I think that, the, like you said, there needs to be a moment. There needs to be something here in this early portion of the season that sends this team into 
sort of a notice to tell the roster that like, hey, we, you know, we're not accepting this. We're not going to just deal with this. We need to change the culture here. And I, I don't know if that's going to happen or not. And I, I totally agree, but it's a matter of, you know, at this point, it's like three three terrible losses, and if nothing happens after this week, I mean, why, why what's the difference if they, you know, if they get blown out by Detroit and then we see the change, what's, why did you right. wait another week? I mean, what's, right. what's the difference at this point if it's just going to continue to not change? What What's going to put this over the top? How many losses, how many bad, borderline embarrassing losses does it take? Of, of just a totally inept offense before that's enough. Like, oh, John, Fe- John Fox is, oh, okay, now. Now it's been bad enough. We're 0-5, and now it's been bad. You know, I mean, where where, where does the line happen here? Because it just kind of seems like what else could they possibly do wrong to put themselves over the top here? Because it seems like they should have reached that limit already. And I'll, and I'll leave you with this, guys. So I, I thank you once again for having me on. I love the show. Keep up the fine work. Um, thank you, but man. with – what are your thoughts about let's look at the season a different way and I'll, I'll hang up and listen. Um, if this team had some kind of quarterback, whether it's a undrafted free agent or a seventh rounder, there's something, anything there that's not Matt Barkley or Brian Hoyer that they can put in there to kind of at least stimulate interest. Um, I'd love to hear your thoughts on that. Thanks again for having me guys. Look forward to doing this again. Absolutely. Definitely yeah, call in Andy. Uh, <laughs> I mean, Jordan Howard is a start, you know? Yeah, you got to start with Jordan Howard. But they got forced into that at this point. I mean, they were they seemed to be ready to just keep getting a lot of Jeremy Langford in there, even after Howard had success. I mean, it was more of a split than in weeks past, but it still kind of felt like if Jeremy Langford doesn't get hurt, he's still getting the lion's share of the carries here, although Howard got nine in total with, with Langford hurt, so I guess I don't know, don't know how many carries there were. But, yeah, definitely – quarterback i mean if connor shaw were healthy that would be so huge right now i mean they might have you think they win this game with connor shaw under center or no that's that's an interesting point i don't want to go too far off the track but real quick uh, yes or no uh i honestly I don't know I mean, I, yeah with the with the offensive line the running game and dowell i'll just call in the same game i like my yeah. chances better how's that yeah there you go that would be my answer to that because connor shaw could athletically move and run for first downs. I mean, some of the things that are popping up, like this stat, um, the Bears have not scored 20 points in a single game yet. This is the first time they haven't scored 20 points in a single game through the first three weeks since 1978, Lauren. 38 years ago. So we're talking about an offensive side of the football A, they're not putting the right players on the field as we talked about. Change has got to come on the offensive line. You know, Bobby Massey is an easy fix. You put a a person in there with an opportunity to compete and be successful. What do you do now? I don't know. You put Kyle Long there. You could put Mike Adams there. We talked about this last week. That needs to change. The other thing that needs to be changed is obviously Jordan Howard. We talked about th- that last week. Again, you saw finally saw Cam Meredith, and I know he got a fumble and trolling. <laughs> Dude, you want to come at me? It's like I can't. He had that catch one play, the- Phil. He had one play. See, he's bad. 
He had one play. The very other play he catches, ball with hands, continues off. I mean, people are going to – the guy's thrust in there. I'm not going to make excuses. He can't fumble the ball. But we're not going to be giving up on that. Let's let's try to incorporate him early into the system as he's an outside threat. He's not a slot. And was was Josh uh, was Josh Bellamy active for this game? I can't yes, remember. Yes, he was. Yeah, free Josh special. Bellamy and free uh, free Deontay Thompson again too. I mean, let's get some more receivers involved. But we do have another caller on the line as well. Speaking of getting people involved, uh, caller, what's your name? Where are you calling from? We got about eight minutes hey left guys, on the show, Kyle, so we're going to keep it quick. Kyle, Kyle How's it going, prize. guys? Buck wild, uh, Kyle. <laughs> uh, Lauren, you proposed a question. Would the Bears have won this game with Connor Shaw at quarterback? I think the real question is if the Bears would have won this game with the legendary Matt Blanchard under center. There he is. That's <laughs> there he is. That's how you saw And the answer is yes. Yeah, if you guys didn't know, the answer is yes to the Matt Blanchard. But <laughs> of course. Anyways, looking He's at the bigger question, um, you guys have talked about – the smaller picture when it comes to players, you know, what can this coaching staff do to insert players that can, you know, maybe make some plays, what's next. Bigger picture, we talked about the offensive blows with Bella Loggins. This was a topic when I called it last week. If Loggins isn't picking it up, and if there is soon to be a change within that coaching staff, so to say, hypothetically at OC, who could you guys see, whether midseason or at the end of the season, who are some candidates that we can – slowly start, you know, diving our noses into and looking into uh, for that vacant OC spot if it does become available. Mm. Well, Phil, I know you mentioned Mike McCoy potentially on Twitter if he gets fired I think, from San I think Diego. He's definitely, I think he's definitely going to get fired from San Diego. This is this was stated that to me that this was it for him if they didn't win. Unless he turns that around, he'll be on the market. He has a relationship with... Uh, John Fox, and you know what? He's a, actually a very good play caller and a rhythm play caller that you like to see with creativity. You know, some of these guys are better off as Adam Gates, as I talked about, staying as offensive coordinators. You know, I I don't what know about, who else. What about they Curtis Johnson, Phil? I mean, obviously he's new this year, but if there's one guy that I would like to see from if you're promoting from within. Either him or Stan Drayton. I mean, one. I mean, I feel like especially Curtis. I mean, the way he gets into Kevin's white. He's not afraid to get Nash on Jeffrey or Kevin White's face. I, I would I, love to see vocal. him run the whole thing. I said offensive coordinators have to be maniacal in their intelligence, and they have to be understanding flow in the game. The creativity you can have six hundred plays in your playbook, Kyle, but. You know, if you don't know when to run the specific play to incorporate the right personnel, then you're good for nothing. And that's what we're seeing tonight. You know, you know, it's not like John Fox didn't want Jim Bob Cooter to be his offensive coordinator. You know, some of these older guys that you could think about is Rob Chudzinski. Is he going to be on the market? I don't know. But... <clears throat> If I was going to go, I would think I have – what's his name? Uh, Johnson has a head coaching experience. He, exactly. He checks the box on the maniacal part that I want. And he has a relationship with – I would hire him and fire this guy 
or move him to off uh, quarterback coach? Well, if he's willing to take a downgrade. My biggest yeah. fear is that Dave Magazoo would get the offensive oh. coordinator job because I just don't think he does a good job as an offensive line coach. So if you add more duties to his his tasks, I mean, I just no thanks. I don't. I I wonder <clears> if he <throat> should be fired too with Dowell Luggins because it just kind of seems like he has not done a good job at all of managing these guys up front. And I mean, Charles Leno's taking steps back. Obviously, Bobby Massey's bad. They throw Cody Whitehair in the center at the last minute. I mean. The, it's just for two years we've seen bad offensive line decisions, and, and we are getting down to about four minutes left in the show. So, uh, Kyle, we might have to cut you short here, but th- thanks a ton for calling in again this week. Good, good question about the offensive coordinator, and I'll, I'll let Phil uh, fin- finish answering that question as we as we try and wrap up the show here. But thanks again for calling in, Kyle. Thanks, Thank Kyle. you, guys. Always appreciate you, Kyle. Lauren, you know, fans are speaking – I'm surprised I didn't get any Twitter tough guys. I was hoping we got some (laughs) very intelligent fans calling in. I just think that when you look at this football team, it's 0-3. Is that two years in a row now? Yeah. So (laughs) this year you played two rookie quarterbacks. You failed to attack them aggressively and sell out on the back end. You didn't box up, play 10-yard football, and run the football with Jordan Howard. Jordan Howard gets in the game, blows off a great run. 36 yards. 36 yards. And everyone's looking around like, why isn't this kid playing? You know, why aren't we competing on the national stage? What are we doing? So I'm right there with everybody out there. If I was the coach, I would totally, totally be a different – it would be a different game plan. There would be different draft picks. It would be a different thing. So at that point, it goes back to the, how we started the show. Is this a Ryan Pace, Ted Phillips? Is it a John Fox issue? Most people are going to say it's a coaching issue. And if if we don't see or hear any major changes during the week, is there any reason to expect anything different against Detroit? I mean, if we don't hear about a coordinator being fired, a, a Bobby Massey being benched, a position coach being fired, I mean, there's not – is there any reason to expect anything different against Detroit? I mean, they say the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result. And I feel like at this point, without a, a substantive – something that a, t- a tangible change that we on the outside can see. I, I don't know how you get very excited at all for the Detroit game next week. Yeah, it's going to be very hard, and it's going to be very humbling if Detroit comes in there and to Chicago beats you up bad through the air and on the ground, and you go out and lose the you know again zero and four. Yeah. Now, well, at what point are you going to start making changes along that in that roster? At what point are you going to send a message to this football team that winning is the most important thing? That's going to be the question this week. Yeah, and hopefully, hopefully we'll start to see those changes this week. But that's going to have to do us kind of leaving it on a somber note here. Who knows? Maybe, maybe we'll hear some big news. But I don't know the way John Fox talking. Doesn't always sound like there's there's a lot of accountability and fing, fingers being pointed around at least this week. But uh, for Phil Atosian, this is Lauren Cox on Bears Hour Live. Thanks a ton for listening. I know that hour goes fast, but it, it's been fun. Phil, any last quick thoughts with 40 seconds to go? 
<laughs> you know, I just really appreciate doing this show with you, Lauren. I think what we bring to the table is a a train wreck of truth. And unfortunately for those people that, you know, are Bears fans like both of us are, it's going to be a long season, it seems, at this point. All right. Thanks for listening, everyone. Done. Mm-hmm. It's only been an hour. <laughs>